I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Box Set Pod. It's been a while and we can only apologize profusely for that once again for being a, a, a complete completely and utterly useless i'm howell this is jamie oh this is matthew wandless hey and we are so nearly um how it be joined by a hollywood guest uh, but i want to give a shout out to the person who emailed us though oh hang on helena has arrived so let's introduce hi helena can you guys hear hi. me yeah, yeah can you hear us yes i can hear everybody helena barrett oh, Hello! Great! I I haven't seen Helena in the face for 19 years. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, I didn't realise you guys actually knew each other. Hello, Helena, by the way, I'm I'm Matt. Helena, this Um, is Matt, he's in London. Jamie, you've met before. Jamie, you came came on our show a couple of times. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Matt. Hey, everybody. Yeah, Jay, Helen came on Thank me and Jamie's radio show once. Matt lives in London. Jamie now lives 30 miles away. Both of them have children. I've just turned 40. Matt's just turned 40. Helena, you are still 19 in my head. <laughs> well, that's the last time we saw each other, so I'll, I'll stick with it. Yeah. we've. It's so long since we saw each other that we had been alive for the same amount of time before we met as since we met. That. I'm trying to think. We met probably when we were 19, but we yeah. probably, I mean, we graduated like 2021. 20, yeah. 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 So, so it is. It's yeah. 19. Oh, Jesus. Helena, oh. where are you now? Uh, I live in LA now. All oh, right. What's it like oh. there at the moment? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're not burning, so that's good. Um, <laughs> at least I'm not. Yes, you stopped that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there's no fires near me, so I'm guessing the ones good. last year got, uh, or a couple of years ago, must have got pretty close to you. A couple of years, yeah. I evacuated a couple of years. Ironically, while I was working on Glow and prepping, I had to evacuate and get, uh, I have horses and everything. And then an added irony is that my guy was actually in London working, and I had to do everything and evacuate the whole house on my own. Oh, Which one of Betty Gilpin, Alison Brie, or Mark Maron offered to come and help move the horses? You know, I'm trying to think when it happened, I think we were prepping. So oh, I don't okay. even think the girls knew. We, I mean, I know everyone the next day all, you know, texted me, all the girls texted, because uh, I think we might have just started training right around then. It was so early on in that show, in that season. Wow. Helena is... Alison Breeze, stunt double in Glow. And what a great show to be a part of that, to be a part of making a female-driven show. What, what is it? Two blokes in it, and they're both terrible characters. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. So is this, the, is this your favorite thing that you've ever been part of? You know, it's definitely extremely amazing to be a part of it and watch what it 
became because when we first started, I don't think anyone knew what it was really. It was just like, oh, hey, it's going to be a wrestling show with a bunch of actresses that have never wrestled before. <laughs> so it was a challenge. And then as we started to work on it, it became this, you know, I don't know, an evolving amalgamy of great writers and creators and cast that came together to really bring it to what it is now, which I think is more fun to watch than what, you know, we first thought it was. I thought it was just going to be a wrestling show. Did you? you know? how, and how much wrestling had you done before you started the show? Not a lick of wrestling. <laughs> wow. Wow. So you had to learn wrestling and then teach that, or you, or would it be you and Alison would learn the moves together? Well, we brought Chavo Guerrero, who is an amazing wrestler and in his own right has an amazing uh, you know, career. And ironically, his uncle actually is the one that trained the original Glows in, girls in the 80s. And wow. so had a family connection to the show, which I don't think anyone knew, but you know, kind of came out as we were learning it. So he came in and taught me and Shauna Duggins, who's the stunt coordinator, on the show and has won multiple Emmys now and totally deserved for Glow and all the stunts on it. Um, but he would come in and kind of the first two days we met him, he kind of would teach us moves. And luckily me and Shauna were both gymnasts. So I think a lot of those moves became easier to learn because of our background. Um, but he would teach us and then the girls would come in and the first season, I mean, some of these girls had never done a forward roll. Um, and cut to, you know, season three where they're body slamming and doing huge moves that, you know, they never knew they could do. But as far as my learning curve, it was very much like, hey, Chavo, how do you do that? And he'd be like, well, here. And he would just pick my body up, throw it around and slam it down. And Sean would be like, what was that? And I'd be like, oh, it kind of felt like our cartwheel with a slam, <laughs> you know? And so we would just Gosh. do that. We'd, we'd never, you know, head scissors and all these things that I just didn't know about. I, I learned quickly. What's, Did um, you have any kind of um, uh, like experience of watching wrestling or were you going in totally blind? I think I was going in worse than having any understanding. I was going in <laughs> with a preconceived idea of what wrestling was uh, and blind. So I had this assumption of what it was, which I think is worse than even having a little inkling Can I guess, what it was, should was be. that, that it, you, you presumed that it would be more planned and less less physically uh, strenuous that's a good question am i trying to say did you so think much. it was more fake than it was i did use the f word which yeah. i was told by chavo we could not use that word ever again in the very beginning yeah um <laughs> and then have learned since then that it's it's not yeah, I mean, definitely not well planned out. Like they go in there and I think, you know, from my understanding, Chavo will be like, oh, usually in the real world, we get like, you're going to win the match and that's it. And the rest of it is improv there on, wow. you know, and they do it. And that to me is impressive beyond belief. And because yeah. the moves can go so wrong. If, if you aren't on the same page and one thinks one move and the other thinks the other move, that elbow is not going to connect where it should have. And um and, and being so a think, stunt person, you're coming from a corner where it has to be like to, to the millimeter timed perfectly. Yeah, well from planned. a stunt background, we're so much more about safety and um, not to ruin it for the entire world, but half the time we don't even make contact. Mm. <laughs> so it's mm. not even a sense of we, we will punch someone and never touch them. Um, 
and wrestling isn't that they have to sell to people that are, you know, feet away from them. So we, I think with Chavo and Shauna and I, we would work all three of us just trying to mold the two worlds because we had to keep these actresses safe to be able to come back every day and not, you know, be injured beyond belief. Um, But we also had to make it look real. And, And Chavo, you know, would always stand up and say, hey, that's not, you know, that's not what would be real in our world. And we were always great to go, okay, well, let's make it safe then and still make it look like mm. the world of wrestling. What was, um, as the series have gone on, have the women got better, like loads better at wrestling? Especially because interestingly in the third series, there's a very, there's hardly any wrestling compared to the first series or it feels like there's not much. So there's a lot more plot going on in the third series, but the, I'm yeah. presuming that they've got better as wrestlers. Oh my goodness, yes. So Kia Stevens, who plays Tamay, was the only professional wrestler. She came in um, off the wrestling circuit, and so she was always great. Um, but the rest of the girls, I mean, gosh, Alice and Brie and Betty, because in that first episode, in the first season, if you remember right, they had that whole um, dream sequence that Mark Marin cuts to. And oh, yeah. he sees them. And I mean, they went from, you know, having done nothing in the wrestling world to yeah. in that first episode, having to do a head scissor and, <laughs> you know, all these crazy moves and they became great. And now it's, you know, ironic because we'll walk in and we'll just be like, okay, hey, we're going to do a sunset flip, but this time we're going to do it off the ropes and, and everybody will just be like, oh, okay, cool. So show us real quick and then they'll pick it up. But I mean, everybody has gotten loads better i mean some of these girls would come in and not have done forward roles and like you know sunita by the end was doing these front flips onto someone's stomach so it was just you know it's great to see these girls give and try and learn and improve so much it's amazing what percentage would you say is you on screen and what percentage is alison brie it is well i think the misconception and i i have to give the kudos to these actresses is I am Allison's stunt double, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that when you film this wrestling match, when you do it in real life, it's maybe, you know, seven minutes to 10 minutes long. And our world will film, we'll spend a day or two on one match, just filming it from different angles, different cameras. So we will never put a fight together that they could not do. No matter what she can do every bit of it and she's i mean so amazingly talented and will always go okay i'll try it um so if you take into (laughs) consideration like season three um the christmas carol one that big match um, oh my god so good so she learned all of that and could do all of it and we put her on wires for the backflip so in all she could do every single bit of that um I just would come in and occasionally like I did the backflip off without the wires, but she did it with the wires and then she did all the moves. So I really don't know what made the final cut, how much was her and how much was me, because sometimes it was just about saving her from getting, you know, slammed into the mat. I can, I can tell when it's you, (laughs) there's no way of proving whether what I've just said is true, but I'm pretty sure there's been times we've been watching just a random film and it's like one shot um where someone just rolls in front of, uh, you can tell me which which film it was it was it was either a tv series or a film and it was an air crash and somebody rolls across the screen and i said that's helena and 
then I looked it up and it was Helena. <laughs> 20 years, I can still tell the look of you flying across an air crash with your back to me. Isn't that weird? That is impressive. And I guess I didn't do my job right. I fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was when you waved <laughs> in the camera. It really gave it away. What, <laughs> what was that? It was, it was either an air crash or it was, it was almost like in the film, they were filming a film. That was an aircraft. I'll f- I'll figure it out. I'll get back to you. How long have you been? Um, how long have you been at this, Helena? Oh goodness. Um, I guess Halkett's saying is that he kept saying nineteen years. <laughs> so I'm guessing nineteen years, somewhere in that. I came. To, I graduated in London and then came straight out to LA. So somewhere nine, you know, somewhere around nineteen years, I guess. Gosh. And I'm just curious, like in in terms of the learning curve with doing stunt work. When was the first time you did something that if it had gone horribly wrong, you could have been killed? I don't want to say my first movie, but probably at least within the first three. Hot damn. Wow. And do you you get to a point, um, and at which point do you arrive at that, uh, where you actually kind of lose the fear because you're so confident in the well or you have so much trust in the people that you work with that it actually becomes not scary anymore you know it's something that i think i've always said and i still hold true to is that if it's not if i don't have a sense of fear i don't think i would do it not because i mean if you're standing 40 feet up on a building and looking down and your body naturally doesn't think this is (laughs) a bad idea then then i'm too (laughs) casual about it then there's something wrong i should really let my adrenaline you know it's like an idea of like don't do it if you're you know if you don't have a natural respect for the fear Mm -hmm. Uh, but the fear makes me take a second to really think it through and go okay well when I'm in the middle of the air, I'm going to hold flat longer. I'm going to ride this out. I need to stay looking at the airbag as long as I can, not flip to the last second, control how far I push out because all that <laughs> lets me know I'm in control in a weird way, I guess. So it is that idea. Yeah. Of, I, but I do also have a, a sense of experience. So I have a bag of like tricks of like, okay, well, if a car is coming at me, I'm not going to let the car hit me. I'm going to try to get on top of the car. So I get less fear of the idea and more fear over the what could go wrong because I always think I should have that sense of respect for the things that could go wrong and what it would mean and how I need to handle the situations when that happens. So I'm not going to ask you to name names or anything like that, but have you Who's the across... biggest asshole you've ever worked with? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't mean just an asshole, but like, uh, have you ever come across um, actors who don't have any regard for that stuff who are just like, oh, well, let's just fucking do it. Right. No, I think it's amazing because I think most actors and actresses really do want it to look good first and foremost and then be, be safe. Um, And I would say there's definitely been scenarios where you will work a fight with somebody and they'll be amazing. And the coordinator, you know, will really work it through and then you yell action and, they add that layer of acting and emotion that they didn't in rehearsal or in practice. And all of a sudden you go, Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. We're going at a different speed or those hits are getting a little bit more real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, we'll have people that are so worried about hurting you that sometimes I'll have to walk over to actors and be like, Hey, look, I know you don't really want to hit me in the stomach, but they're saying it's not looking good. So just I'm padded up, hit me one time good and hard 
and then you won't have to do it 19 times soft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely, you know, different sides of it. But I'd say in general, there's not usually too many people that come at it with a sense of like rage or wanting to do any kind of, you know, you hear the stories, you know, but nothing I reckon, like um, I've never dealt with. I reckon Shia LaBeouf would be very difficult because I imagine he puts a lot of passion into the takes. Oh, I don't, I'm trying to think if I've ever worked with Shia personally. You'd remember because he'd have pushed you off a building. <laughs> he was in the uh, Bristol School, Indiana Jones. Oh, God, yeah. yeah he but was, but I don't think he was there when I was there, yeah. So next time anybody watches the worst Indiana Jones film, at the very beginning, <laughs> um, there's an awesome scene at the beginning when the, uh, a bunch of people are doing what we all wish we could do every day, which is drive across like a cornfield in America in a... Um, in a convertible Land Rover in the fifties or something, and Helena is the one in the back going "woo." That's exactly nice. how I sounded too. It was pretty much <laughs> like that. Was that exactly how it sounded when Spielberg pitched it to you? You know, he didn't pitch it to me. That was, <sighs> I know. But you want to know something, Hal? Between me and you, and. Yep everybody else two people listening yeah the highlight of my career was i worked with steven spielberg on one of my first big acting jobs on the terminal um yeah. back in the day yeah. um and was cut out i i, I went <gasps> to the premiere and it, it, it never made but i got to meet him and he was amazing and he's super sweet tom hanks oh. and steven spielberg was one of those guys he said you know hi i'm steven and all i could think was like no you're you're steven spielberg you don't get just the first <laughs> name it's, yeah, yeah. So, cut to I'm working on Indiana Jones, and um, I know the costumer from the terminal. And I say, Oh my goodness. And we chat for half a second. And that's only important because I think she's the connection to why, when I was on set, Steven Spielberg walked up to all of us stunt people in that car because we had to travel at high speeds. So, they chose stunt people so we, they could travel at high speeds amongst these other cars and in and out of the military cars. Um, and he said hi to everybody, introduced himself, and he walked up to me and he goes, and hi, Helen, and nice to work with you again. Oh. So good to see you. Oh. You, you oh. know what? You always hear that about the best people, mm. in like Tom Hanks or someone like that, the best people in the, the careers in, uh, that we love in music or film, they're always the nicest, and they're always the people who know everybody and treat everybody yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a career, and I literally think I said I could retire now, that that was, you know, and I'm yeah. sure, you know, the, the designer goes up and shows, like, hey, these are options for our stunt people, and oh, hey, look, it's the blonde, but I mean, it had been so long, so for him even to go from the designer to even think to say that to me was the effort. a yeah. sweet, yeah, That's yeah, incredible. so I, I remember that, and that was, that was one of those moments. I think I, I, certainly in Jamie and I's long and established radio career, I would say we almost everybody we met who were super famous were really nice people. There was like 2%, maybe even two people who we ever met that were complete dicks. And there's a couple of British people working in Hollywood at the moment that I know for a fact are complete dicks. But generally, do not do you find that the percentage is about there? It's like, it's far, far more rare to meet someone who is horrible than the majority. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's most people. I mean, if you bring it back to Glow, I mean, that's 
gosh, so many women working together. And we all know you get that many women having to go through that much extreme and all of them get along and they have, you know, they all support each other. They all help each other out. And at no point do you ever think like, oh, if you had, I don't know, one big personality or someone that thought too much of themselves, it could really ruin that whole vibe. And I think it goes for Hollywood as well. You know, like you Mm -hmm. get, someone that's too big for their britches it ruins that whole process for everybody so yeah you know those was it the christmas carol episode where everybody Mm -hmm. swaps parts or is that a different episode it's a different episode episode. season that episode when you see the cast all playing each other was so fun it was like um it reminded me of you know what it's like if you didn't go to drama school, you'd probably think that acting is relatively easy and most people could do it. And when you meet people and you see how super talented and creative and inventive they are, it's like you couldn't, most people couldn't hold a torch to how uh, confident and brilliant these people are at performing. And in that episode, you saw it. It was like, for me, it was like, oh my God, you get to see the cast being how incredible they are because you get to see them stretching out. It just, it genuinely, I know everybody says this and I know you've got to say it as opposed, but it genuinely looks like a cast of phenomenally talented women and Mark Mann. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, I mean, Chris and Mark, I'll have to give them both. Yes. Oh, but I will amazing. say some amazing hilariousness is so Shauna and I will get uh, scripts prior to, uh, the girls, um, I don't, but Shauna does. And at some point, Shauna said, hey, just, you know, I think these girls are going to have to wrestle as characters that are not their own characters, which we were only concerned because some of these characters are kind of built around them and their, you know, strengths and their weaknesses. So we're like, okay. So we're in rehearsals and we get a couple of weeks before they even start filming to bring them back up to you know, to wrestling speed. And as they say, get the ring rust off of them Mm. so they can. And so at some point, Shauna goes, Hey, I have a funny idea. And it was very much like an acting exercise. She goes, let's do a, you know, an improv wrestling match, but everyone has to play a different character. And so she kind of knew some of the idiosyncrasies Mm -hmm. of who would match up. And she, we did it and everyone, I mean, that was an acting exercise in its own because everyone just took it, you know, cause it's privacy of the group of girls and there was no one watching and there's no script and it was just them. And that's when I got to see really them explode and their acting just, you know, take off. And that was, and then it was funny to see when it actually, you know, they read the script and they're like, Oh, wait a minute. It's, oh, it's so good. What a show to be a part of. What a show. Um, I know what it was. It was love. It was love. And Gillian Jacobs character, Am I right? She goes off to make a film. It's not Gillian's. Well, it's when no. um, it's the other character. It's oh. the girl. I doubled okay. her on the airplane crash site. There you go. Yeah. I remembered yes. something correctly. <laughs> Incredible. Yes, I do. Where is the airplane crash in love? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You wouldn't imagine if I'd have said that without Helena here, you literally wouldn't believe it. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Well, what it was is because in love, the guy teaches the kid that's an actress. No, it's after that. Oh yes. Yes. You're right. It is that he goes and he has to go to the other side of the country in order to make a big shot Hollywood film that he thought he'd always 
wanted to do. Yeah, like it was a, he. He was the teacher of, you know, that that actress, and then she was she was in. Yeah, so they're on a film set in. Yeah, I really thought I dreamt that for a minute earlier. Um, That's impressive. And as you get older, Helena, because you're going to be my age soon, surely. Shut your mouth. Oh no, that's right. Helena was ten years younger than me at college. when you get older, will you start to do stunts like um, for Martin Scorsese, like standing up out of a chair too quickly and things like that? <laughs> Putting on a cardigan <laughs> the wrong way. Are you kidding me? I think I get out of bed. Really dangerous and, stuff. You know, I mean, honestly, in my career, as I get older, I've been lucky that I've transitioned a lot into stunt coordinating, mm-hmm. um, which is great because you get hit by less buses and get to enjoy, you know, the the creative side of it i think more but yeah i i mean for sure i think our bodies have taken all stunt people there's i have such a respect and awe for all of them and i see you know the older cats that pave the way that have their two hip replacements and i wanted to ask you helena is it i imagine when a bunch of stunt people sit around together in a bar uh that they share sort of old scar stories like you know that scene in jaws when they're on the boat showing off the scars is it a bit like that or uh no gibson and Rene russo in lethal weapon three <laughs> i think it's it's similar in that way of like especially if you get like different generations together because you get these you know guys that worked on some of the amazingly awesome movies but back in the day when they jumped off trains and they hit the dirt. And so you're fascinated to hear those stories, you know, the John Wayne stuff. Um, and then it, then it starts to become, I, I call it the, the one up moment yeah. where people will be like, Oh, that reminds <laughs> me of, and they'll, they'll go on to their version of something yeah. they did. And then, uh, and then someone will be like, Oh yeah, well in this one movie, you think that's bad. Then this, ha-, you know, and, and they'll and get their they two fingered just... hand out and whack it on the table. <laughs> And go, cheers, 1986. <laughs> I love the scene in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with uh, Bruce Lee and um, um, Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Um, I want to know about Mark Maron because I'm a huge fan. I want to mm-hmm. know that he's a nice guy. Yes. Very okay. nice guy. Yes. And, and I mean, I think he's very open about it, but I think the first season because we had been with the girls and they had trained for four weeks. They came in with this energy of all knowing each other. It's like mm. walking into, I think a school camp or something where everyone is having a great time. And then he walked in and he was the one guy amongst all these women. And wow. he even, I think said it later that he was very like, Oh wow. Okay. I'm just going to sit over here and, mm. and watch. Um, so first quiet. of that, he was, yeah, I thought he was kind of standoffish. And then to find out that he's quite the opposite. He's, he loves to watch and has such a humble personality as far as, you know, what he can do and bring to the table. Oh, that's good. It must have been an odd one because he's playing such a douche. It, yeah. Particularly in that first season, like his attitude in those opening few episodes is really uh, pretty, pretty nasty. Yeah. And I think it was great because especially in the beginning where, I think there's a scene where he's just pretty much insulting every girl that brings a photo up to him yeah, yeah. and just going through. And then after takes, he would just be like, Oh my gosh, I feel like such a terrible person. <laughs> you know, so he, he had, you know, he had this sense and him and Alison Brie have a great, you know, friendship, but I'll never forget when he was just like insulting her looks and being like, I just, I can't decide. Are you just ugly or, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and after the takes, you just, you know, they'd be like laughing and stuff. So yeah, he had that, he had his, sit there and have this very 
I think rough personality as far as just, you know, but he does it well and he, he, he has that sense. So it was great to see. Okay. It. Three questions at once. One, um, are you back filming yet because of COVID two is Netflix? I, I, I own shares in Netflix. I adore Netflix. Is Netflix awesome to work with? And, um, when is, uh, season four going to be here? Okay. I can, I can definitely answer two out of three. Okay. Um, we started filming season four, gosh, a while obviously ago, probably January, um, and then COVID hit and they stopped filming for all the safety reasons. We have not started back up yet. Um, and that has a lot to do with just, it's hard to do six feet away from each other and be socially distanced when you have to wrestle. Yeah. Um, and so they're being very conscious and Liz and Carly, the creators, are super, you know, and the producers want to keep everyone safe and, you know, from the get-go, you know, regardless if it's just wrestling or if there's a pandemic out. So mm. um, we have not started back yet. Um, are Netflix awesome to work for? <laughs> yes. Um, they are actually a great company. Um, I've gotten to go over to many of the TED parties and he is a great person and a good guy and he supports those that are on the creative side you know he just doesn't want to see these actors succeed he wants to see these creators succeed and take on these new avenues um and he has such a great team behind him and i'll have to say uh, you know i don't know how much this could go out there into the world but we were working with netflix when covid hit and instead of just saying hey guys you're not going to get paid anymore netflix stepped up and said we're going to take care of our crews um That's and amazing. started it, it was impressive, and I think it was quite public how they said, you know, we're going to start a charity fund for our crews, and pretty much what that did was mean instead of suddenly being unemployed, they kind of took it as long as they could with however, you know, millions of dollars they put into that, and they took care of all their, their crew and stuff like that. So that really helped us in a time where we didn't know what was going on. You know, we didn't know what would start or not start, and so Netflix, I have to give them two huge thumbs up to realize that these are, you know, these are the people that help them create mm. and make, you know, their world. So they as, took care of us. As quite a significant shareholder, I'd like to say you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm personally grateful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they also, during the riots and the uh, Black Lives Matter stuff, Netflix announced that they were going to give 2% of profit to um, black charities across America as well. So that happened during COVID as well. They just are very good. Yeah, they seem to really also have a better pulse and understanding of what the world is today. Yeah. You know, they, they, they seem to really create content that has, you know, a meaning and a matter. And I think they were some of, you know, the first people that could back away from some of the studio restrictions in the first place, you know? Mm. So I think they had that control and that ability and I think it really helps and shines. Are you aware of how not lucky you are? Because I think you've worked incredibly hard for many, many years. Are you aware of how much other people would like to live in Los are Angeles. you pleased with yourself is are, you, <laughs> are you <laughs> on a scale of one to ten how smug are you i am i think lucky is the best way to describe it i feel so lucky and so grateful for i mean it's like everyone that comes out to hollywood you 
are living on a prayer and a dream. And that's all you really have when you first walk into the Hollywood world. Um, and I'm very lucky to have met the people I met and had the opportunities I had. And I wouldn't, you know, take it for advantage for one moment, you know, because I'm not silly to think that it could come again a second time around. Um, I had to make mm. the mistakes I made to make the choices I made to succeed. Um, so I, you know, I definitely, and are you kidding me when, you know, we get SAG awards and win these things and get to be a part of, you know, like glow oh, and wow. these, these women, I mean, Liz and Carly and, you know, it's everybody. These, you get to be a part of this world and you see how amazingly creative but kind people can be. And then you realize that you just got a paycheck at the same time and you pinch yourself and you go, you know, this is... I'm being paid this for is, this. <laughs> yeah, I'm being paid for this. And you kind of do have to go, wow, I'm, I'm lucky to have all these people in my lives. It's not, it's not the TED parties that make me feel lucky. It's the moments where I get to be a part of something that's good and great and powerful and go, I got paid and I got to have fun and I got to do what I love and make hopefully a better change in the world, you know? And also, you're, you're right, so many, for so many people, it doesn't work. I knew about a guy, and L.A. proved too much for the man. He, um, he couldn't make it, so he left the life he came to know, and he went back to find what's left of his world, the world he left behind not so long ago, and he left on the midnight train to Georgia. <laughs> hey, do you want to join us on a quiz, Helena? Wait, wait, wait. I have two questions. The, the song was what? Midnight Train to Georgia. Train, yeah. that, that's um, Matt's first question answered. Okay. <laughs> One is, have you ever got drunk at a party and been dared to do something like throw yourself through a glass window and done it? <laughs> of course she has. <laughs> Come on. Probably in college window. before I was in Yeah, stunts. I remember. If you it remember. might have been. Because if this was a party, <laughs> I would be asking you to, to do stuff like that. I would be like, go on, go on, do it, throw yourself up, down the stairs. Probably <laughs> pre stunts, I was probably more apt to. I said, <laughs> college, you probably could have gotten me to go down a, a flight of stairs with some gusto. Now, at, you know, with my experience, I kind of look at you and be like, are you going to pay me? Or yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good answer. Good answer. So, so very Bojack Horseman in my. If you were in a fight and you were going to defend yourself against <laughs> someone who wanted to kill you, what would be your weapon of choice? Knife. Knife. Yeah. Okay. She knew the answer. Well, everyone says gun, and I see gun, but uh, fight. Oh, I, I meant hand-to-hand I... -hand weapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. I was going to say because gun to me, once you get within six feet, the gun's pretty. Useless for sure. Knife, yeah, and a karambit would probably be my knife of choice if I was to get really picky with picky with knives. A what? A what? Sorry. A karambit. It's a, a, a crumpet. How am I spelling that? C R U M. Karambit. Um, it's a K. It's a. It seems like it looks like a hooked knife. Oh yeah. Uh, look at One it. of those. Um, it's K-A-R-A-M and then B-I-T. Oh, it's one of these bad boys. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I won't, when I listen back to this podcast, I won't forgive myself if I don't ask, why is a gun useless within six feet? Because it becomes much harder. You have to literally bring it in closer and I can evade it. If I can get past the point of the end of the barrel, then I can't get hit. Yeah. You've got to move it much further to follow a target. Yeah, you have to be able to always, you can always, you know, because at some point if I hug you, you are going to be at risk of shooting yourself. 
This is, I, I love this kind of talk. This is brilliant. This is, uh, my question is rubbish compared to this. Reminds me of, um, do, do you remember Die Hard with a Vengeance? There's a great bit in that where um, uh, the woman who works with Jeremy Irons pulls out one of these and really fucks someone up. Uh, <laughs> it's really bad news. Yeah. The classic Christmas movies. Yeah, if, it, if you were hanging upside down in a Christmas tree and um, you were mid-fight with Father Christmas, but Father Christmas was really drunk and quite strong and quite athletic, um, what Christmas decoration would you most like to use to take him on? You're upside down in the tree. Oh, um, gosh, I mean, right but now... I'm a lawyer, I would say you don't have to answer that. Yeah, I feel like between, I mean, Christmas is coming up, you know, here in the next few months, I really feel like, you know, I don't want to hurt Santa Claus. So I think I would go with, with prayer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. You see, I'd smash a bauble. Unless they're not strong enough. Yeah. You hurt your hand more than them. I'd go with the Christmas tree lights, you could at least wrap them. Yes. That's a good answer. Or the star. That's the other thing. Wow. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with your star now here. I don't, I don't know how you're... So on glow... It's pretty solid, the one we have on our tree. It's pretty solid. <laughs> Let's quiz. Helena, we always end with a quiz. Do you want to play a quiz with us? Um, I will attempt. I'll probably you fail. You do not have you, to. You are going to fail really because don't. it's about shows that people watch whereas you make shows you're too busy making shows here comes the quiz i am going to name characters i want to know what tv series the characters came from you can have a point if you tell me who plays the character as well so let's do this say your name that's your buzzer say your name if you think you know the answer number one sergeant david budd Jamie. Jamie. Um, from a TV show. Do you have the answer or not? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, um, it's uh, from uh, a big uh, band of brothers. No. And you must not buzz in unless you know the answer. That was a serious filibuster, Jamie. Man. Yeah. Tips. No. Okay, I'll tell you, it's from the bodyguard... Uh, played by what's his name Madden. Ah, Rory. Um, number two, Carolyn Martins. Tough one. Okay, uh, no one's gonna get that. That's Killing Eve, played by Fiona Shaw. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Number three, Tom Wamsgans. Matt. Matt. Succession, played by Matthew McFadden. Correct. Have you seen any succession, Helena? I've seen some, yes. Yeah, Yeah. it's good. Good good acting. Funny, Tom is the British guy in that. Oh, no, he doesn't do a British accent. I was like, there's a lot of British guys. There's too many Brits in Hollywood, aren't there? You need to get rid of some. Do you often think that? You come onto a set and you just go like, oh, Jesus, all those fucking British guys. did in the beginning because I wanted to stay in London and there was all those like trying to get through you know all the different visas and everything so when I came to Hollywood and all these British people were out here I'm like how can you work here and I can't work there you wanted to stay in London yeah you gotta think I've got such uh, we need therapy me and you Helena I have I've spent the last 20 years jealous of you 
because you were born in America. All I want to do is live in LA and work in LA. In LA. It's all I've ever wanted. Oh, well, I just want to point out that you don't live anywhere near London. That's because I know that London is an awful place to live. But my point is that Helena doesn't know that. It's beautiful. Hey? I, I do know that. I lived over there, remember? Okay, you did. It was awful. You're right. It's a terrible place. Number four, Quentin O'Higgins. These are all British ones because I didn't expect Helena on the podcast. That's all right. I can feel bad. Matthew Quentin. Blinders. No. But Matthew should get this right. It's from the TV series Intelligence, starring David Schwimmer, played by Matt's friend, Oliver Birch. Are you kidding? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, all right, Cubby, or Cuby, K-U-B-Y. Kirby? Kirby. I feel like I know that one. Kirby. from Breaking Bad? Yes. Oh, oh well Got a ringer. And who, do you know who played him? She's on IMDb as we speak. No, I'm not. I don't know who does. I don't. I will give I you don't. a clue. It's a comedian. Okay. That's Bill really Burr. Not... Bill Burr is correct, Jamie, but ah. you're not going to get a point, I'm afraid, because um, it was Helena's um, bonus, point. bonus point. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Question six. Chris Traeger. Traeger. Jamie. Traeger. Jamie. Oh, is I've it? it. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't Come know. on, Jamie. Chris Traeger. He seems oh, like he is it The know. Office? No, close. No. Matt. It's Friends. It's not. Helena. Oh, what? Oh, damn it. I don't know. Chris Traeger. Chris Traeger. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, um. Is it Park, Parks and Rec? Yes. Oh, oh, man. That's oh, Rob geez. Lowe's character. I knew I could see Rob Lowe, but I couldn't remember what the show Rob was. Rob Lowe, Parks and Rec. How many times have you hung Janet... out with uh, Rob Lowe, Helena? Um, not, as, not as many. I think I've interacted, but not um, never got to do Parks and Rec. That's a bummer. Not a big stunt yeah. show. What a great series, though. Mr. Um, Traeger is the super in the building, Friends. Oh, oh, well yeah. done, well done, but you don't get a point for that, I'm afraid. I don't. Helena, <laughs> Helena is now in Helena's the lead. Winning. Helena's wow. got two, Matt's got one. Helena, I've got two. I've got two. I got, I got the actor. Oh, you did? Yeah. Uh, but Helena got two questions. So... Yeah, well, so she's ahead morally, but not on actual points. So I think that means she's got... <laughs> what did you... She got both of them. I got Breaking Bad and Rob Lowe with Parks and Rec, but it took a while. Okay, so Helen's got three points and Matthew's got four points. Jamie, currently not doing very well. Jamie, we've got three questions left. Chloe O'Brien. Matt, 24. Yes. Ooh, good. Do you know who played her? No. No, I don't. Mary Libreskub. I believe is how you pronounce it. I'll say, say that five uh, times fast. Yeah. <laughs> you should see the spelling's <laughs> even worse. Um, next question, Sam Sylvia. Oh, come on, really? Yes. Um, should, I just, should I just sit here quietly? What is Jamie. it, Helena? Oh, it's Glow. It's Mark <laughs> Marin from Glow. Oh, no. That's five points. Helena now in the lead. And there's one question left. Jamie, this is your final chance just to get on the scoreboard. Billy Butcher. Oh. Matt. Yes, Matt. The boys, Carl Urban. Correct. Oh, this oh. is gutting. 
This is gutting. Jamie has scored zero. Helena has scored five points. And unfortunately, my nemesis, Matthew Wanless, has scored six points. Well done, Matthew. I'm sorry, Helena. I feel that's ungraced of me. But if you come into my house, I will take you down. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. No, that's 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 respectable. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, With the, the rimba. Uh, are you sure it's not with the Christmas tree star? I'll use whichever one's too close to stand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us, Helena. It's been yes, a pleasure. Let's do it again in twenty. Yeah, that was years. actually very fascinating. I, yes, I, it was I think stunts are incredible. So well yeah. done for doing brilliant. And I don't You're think you're a hero. I don't think um, we scratched the surface. And also, hi to Peter, by the way, who I said, don't let me forget, we got an email from Peter who's listened for ages, has never emailed before. Hope we're well. Just Helena wondering if you've died because you've stopped doing the podcast. Yes, we've had a few weeks off because we had to turn 40 oh, okay. and we were waiting for Helena to be available to be on the podcast. Um, so that's why we've missed a few weeks. Sorry about that, Peter. But thank you very much. It's Helena's fault. Oh, it's completely my fault. And the fact that, you know, Thank medical you. science didn't know if you would survive your 40th birthday. No, just, <laughs> the, the bets were out. Um, thank you, Helena, so much. Speak to you soon. Come on again, won't you? Come on again. Yes, of course. I'll come on whenever. Great. Well, we'll thank you, Helena. That was great. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Jamie and Matt. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.